pray. Almighty God, we commend this offering in your hands that you might use this offering to further your kingdom, that people around us can come to experience your son, Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Psalm 66. Psalm 66. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me. Psalm 66. Where the psalmist loves God with all of his heart and is calling the people to worship God. Psalm 66. Make a joyful noise to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Because of your great power, your enemies cringe before you. All the earth worships you. They sing praises to you. Sing praises to your name. Selah. Come. And see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds among mortals. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever. Whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let the rebellious not exalt themselves. Selah. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard who has kept us among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a spacious place. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vows, those that my lips uttered when my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fatlings with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Come and hear, all of you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for me. I cried aloud to him, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has given heed to the words of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, we're just so grateful for your love and grace. And God, what a privilege to join together to worship you. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own, through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love to watch people worship. I mean, it's just one of the things when I come in and I get to look around and, and we're singing praise songs to God or we're affirming our faith to God and, I just I enjoy looking out and, and experiencing people worshiping. We, we all worship a little bit differently. Some, some get more expressive into it and, 
and others are, are a little more reserved or quieter, kind of like I am. I, I remember going sometime to a, one time to a Christian concert, and, and the leader was going, I can look out at a crowd and tell who's there. You know, the Pentecostals, they're up here going like this. They're having a great time. And, and you know when the Baptists are there, because you're getting amen and amen. But then he goes, then the Methodists are there, and you kind of see... He goes, you know that they, they, it feels good. You just don't know how to react yet to it. <laughs> I enjoy watching people worship. One Sunday I looked up at the 930 service and, and, and there were three young girls who were standing right there at the edge of the balcony and, 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 and they were doing the motions to the songs that we were singing that they had learned in, in various camps. Participating in worship. Some people are singing with everything they've got. Other people, are eyes are closed or some just standing there with tears in their eyes. But it's an encounter with God. I, I love watching people have an encounter with God, to be in the presence of God. That's, that's our goal when we plan worship is that we talk about it. Our goal is to create an environment for you to have an encounter with God. It's not about us. It's not about, wow, how, how awesome a sermon the preacher gave. Or, or wow, how, you know, the, how incredible the music leaders are. It's about, wow, they led me right to the throne of Jesus Christ. That's our goal. To set up an encounter with God. And, and, and I know one of the things I love is when I, we get a chance to go to Israel and, and, and take people there. We have a group, and, and a, a group that's going to be going in the spring. And, and some of you may be coming with us. You're all invited, but... I remember the first time I went to Israel, my goal was just to take it all in. I, I was trying to take every picture that I could take. I, was, I had a recorder out trying to record everything that the guide was saying. I wanted to get it all, and then I'm going, it's day number three. We're here. So that I could try to match up the pictures. And You know how you get when you're just trying to get it all in? Second time I had the opportunity to go and take a group of people, it was, it was more just kind of experiencing it. Nancy was with me the second time and getting to watch her experience it and just kind of, I've got pictures, although I'll take more, but I've got the recordings. I'm not going to do that. I just, just want to experience it. And after that, it's been to go and just watch other people encounter. I, re I remember one day whenever we were at the Jordan River and, and, and there was a member of our congregation, we, we waded out into the Jordan and we were going to do a a reaffirmation of the baptisms and when he came up out of the water all of a sudden a guy who seldom shows that kind of emotion just lost it just lost it just feeling so much in the presence of God and he he worshiped the last time we were there I, I remember looking over at, at at one of our members who's actually in the room so I won't call his name but he's in the choir And I was watching, I was watching him and, and, and I could see the wheels were spinning and the eyes were beginning to water and I, tell me what you're feeling, what you're experiencing right now. And I just never dreamed that I would be able to stand where Jesus stood and you could just tell he was worshiping God. An encounter with God. That's what the psalmist is, is wanting us to experience is an encounter with God. We're not sure exactly who wrote it. Some Bibles say at the top, a psalm of Solomon. Some of the Bibles say a psalm of David. We're really not sure, but what we do know is it was a song. 
a matter of fact, there's instructions at the top of the psalm that says to the, to the worship leader, to the choir director, to the chief musician. I mean, this is a song, and in case that didn't give it away, my Bible, which is for those of us that may need a little extra help, actually says it's a song. It's a song. It's one of the songs and the hymns that Jesus sang when he was a kid growing up. This is what Jesus sang, and, and this is what Jesus would have sung with the disciples. Remember how even after the Passover, the Scripture says they sang a hymn. And then they went out to the Mount of Olives. So this is, this is one of the songs that, that Jesus would have known and was singing. It's a call to worship from the psalmist. He, he is in such love with God. Such amazing love with God and gratitude to God for all that had been done. So there's a call to worship. We often have in our, hymn, our bulletins, in our order of service, a call to worship where it's come Come, let us sing a song of praise. Let us now worship our God. And this call to praise, why? Because God is awesome. I love that twice in the Scripture, verse 3 and 5, it was like, because your God is just awesome. You don't just have an ordinary God. Your God is awesome. So the call to worship, to make a joyful noise, to sing praise to His name. I love the way Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. Now the message I give to you is a paraphrase. So some people go, I don't really care for the message, it's a paraphrase, and that's fine. A translation is when you go, this is what the Bible said, the Scripture said in the Hebrew, and now I'm translating it verbatim into the English. That's a translation. A paraphrase is when you're going, here's what the Scripture said in other words, and you kind of put it in, into your own language, your own words. And so Peterson's kind of rephrasing what this psalm says. But I love the way he begins because he says, all together now, applause for God. I mean, I love that. All together now, applause for God. I mean, it's a call to worship. Somebody asked me not long ago, how do I feel about applause and worship? And I said, you know, if the applause and worship is the contemporary amen, the contemporary praise God, the contemporary hallelujah, then I'm all for it. That doesn't bother me a bit. You know, we used to be known as the shouting Methodists. That was our nickname early on. We were the shouting Methodists. You would hear it in the middle of a sermon. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. We may now today be the clapping Methodists. If it's praising God, I'm okay. If it's praising me or others, then I'm opposed to it. But if it's praising God, then praise God all together now. Applause to God. And, and, and it works because verse 4 says, and all the earth sings praise to you. And then I want you to see what the psalmist does. There are movements. The psalmist goes, do you remember... Do you, do you remember? One of the things I love about worship is we're called to remember. One of the things I love about this space, sacred space, a place called the sanctuary with the symbols of our faith, the crosses, the candles, the windows, and all that's around us, is it helps us remember that we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And the psalmist goes, do you remember how God has always been with our people? And he reaches back into history. Do you know how God has always been with our people? Do you remember the stories of how God has always been with us? Like, do you remember the time when, when God led the children of Israel 
across the Red Sea, when they crossed the sea on dry land, he says. I, I, love, I love that story because they, all of a sudden the children of Israel have left being in slavery. They've, they've left captivity and the cruelty of the captivity and the slavery. And they're now heading across the wilderness thinking they're moving to the promised land. Somebody looks back and says, oh no, and everybody looks back. And what do they see? The dust clouds are billowing up because Pharaoh changed his mind, released his army and the, and the chariots, and they're all coming right behind them. And, and, and it is a mess, and they look in front of them, and there's the Red Sea, and they think we are between the proverbial rock and the hard place. Where do we go? We can't go back. We can't go forward. What are we going to do? We're going to die right here. Psalmist goes, remember that story of how God said to Moses, Take your staff in your hand and hold it out over the water. In Exodus 14, verse 21, the Scripture says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night. And the sea turned into dry land, and the waters were divided. And the Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The psalmist goes, remember that, remember that story? I told you sometime back about when I was a college kid and I was taking an Old Testament course and, and I was just getting my, you know, my initiation into people who saw the Bible differently. And as I was taking this Old Testament course, we got to the scripture and I remember the professor laughing and going, <laughs> now let me explain this to you. <laughs> and he said, you know, this, this really wasn't the Red Sea. It was the, it was the Reed Sea. The Reed Sea was only about four inches deep. And so then when the wind would blow at a certain time in a certain way, it would actually appear to peel back the water and look like dry land. And, and so that's what happened, and that's how the children of Israel were able to get across. Have you ever said something out loud that you didn't mean to be out loud? <laughs> I had one of those moments. Because without really thinking, I mean, I have a tendency whenever I'm listening to a lecture or something to sometimes be, you know, looking down or piddling with something, and that's what I'm assuming you're doing. <laughs> and, I, and I remember as I was just kind of looking down, I, I accidentally said out loud, well, praise God, it's still a miracle. And then I realized that was, that was out loud. Because the next thing I heard was, Mr. Moore. Did you have something to say? Well, I mean, once you're in, you got to go. <laughs> and I said, I said, well, praise God, it's still a miracle. And he goes, and how did you get that? And I said, because God could take out the entire army of Pharaoh in four inches of water. <laughs> That's impressive. The psalmist is going, don't you remember the story? Don't you remember? And, and how then they even crossed the river on dry land. See, a lot of people forget that, that this happened twice. You know, after Moses had handed the reins over to Joshua, and, and Moses dies, and, and Joshua is now leading the children that final leg of the way into the promised land, they come up to the Jordan River, but at this time of year, the Jordan River has overflooded its banks and, and it's wide and it's deep and it's moving and, and, and they're trying to figure out how are we going to get there? And the priests were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, that, that symbolic presence of God. And, and remember how we're told that, that the priests then dipped their feet in the water. Joshua 3. 
They, they dip their feet into the water to see what happens, and all of a sudden, once again, the water peels back. And they were able to cross into the promised land. The psalmist goes, man, don't you remember? God has always been with us, even when the Pharaoh was behind us and the sea was in front of us. God has always been with our people. And God even led them across the Jordan River. Remember that? And then that's our history. That's who we are. That's, that's our heritage. That's our story. But then the psalmist takes a turn. So in your Bibles, you'll notice that there's a, a turn here. Because he, in verse 8, he goes, and, and remember what God has done for us today. I mean, our faith and worship is not just about coming and remember what God did years ago. He, he said, remember what God did years ago? But then he goes, remember, remember what God has done for us that are here today. How he kept us alive. And how he kept us from slipping. You know, Psalm 121, he will not let your foot be moved. God is, is there with you holding you. And then the psalmist acknowledges, even though we go through some tough times, God was always there with us. And I love that about the psalm. I love that about the scripture. I was listening to a preacher the other day. As a matter of fact, I, I paused and I told Nancy, I said, listen to this. And, and she kind of rolled her eyes a little bit because she knew what I was going to do and, and what I was saying. And we, we played a little bit. And I said, you know, someday this, this guy is going to have to stand before God for what he's been doing with the scripture. But... But I said, you know, what I love about this psalm is that it's so honest. I mean, we've gone through some tough times. I mean, some people have this idea, and some people try to teach that once you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, it's just going to be rosy. Everything's going to be just so easy. That's not true, or at least not in my life. I mean, you know, some people have the idea, if you just accept Jesus Christ, you'll never have to balance your checkbook again unless you're just bored. <laughs> well, that's not true. And Christians go through challenging times. Christians get cancer. Christians can lose people that they love. Christians can have marriages that are in crisis. Christians, Christians can have very difficult and challenging, tough times. And, and here the psalmist goes, man, we went through some tough times. God allowed us to be tested. We were tested. But you know, he said, when silver is subjected to intense heat, that's when it becomes pure because the impurities come off. And when we've gone through the intense times, those were opportunities for the impurities to float off to where we can actually be stronger and more solid in our faith. And I love verse 12. Verse 12 then says, and yet you brought us out of it. You didn't leave us in it. When we went through the tough times, you got us through it. I love that in, in John 17 when Jesus is praying for the church He's praying for the disciples. It's near the end of his ministry in the Gospel of John. And, and, he, and, and Jesus is, is praying and weeping and he's, he's crying out his heart to God. And he goes, and God, I'm not asking that you take them out of it. I just, I'm praying you protect them through it. It's not that we get out of it. But we don't go through it alone. That God will go through it and protect us through it. And then there's one final turn in this song. He goes, in, and listen close, because I want to tell you what God has done for me. Catch the movements of this song? 
Do you remember what God has done for our people in the past, our history, our heritage? And remember what, what God has done for all of us today, how he's kept us alive and kept our feet from slipping, even though we went through tough times. But then he goes, and come closer, because I really I want to tell you as well what God has done for me personally. It's a testimony. And that's the movement of our faith. Brueggemann taught, Walter Brueggemann, an Old Testament scholar, talks about that, 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 that what we're looking for is to be able to go, here is, our, here is the heritage of the past of our faith. Here's what God is doing in the midst of us with the people of God today. But at some point, then it's got to transition to, and here's what God is doing for me right now. Here's what God has done for me. He goes, I'll personally worship you. I'm going to bring to you burnt offerings. I'll keep my vows. Because when I was going through tough times, and we're not told exactly what they were, but when I was going through tough times, he said, you were there. I cried out to you. You heard my prayers. And when I cried out to you, I made promises and I made commitments. And now that I'm through it, I'm not going to forget them. I remember many years ago when I was a kid, there was a movie out. And, and I just remember the scene where the, the character was way out in the water and, and trying to get to the shore. And as they're way out there thinking they're not going to be able to make it, they're going like, God, if you'll just help me get to the shore, God, I promise you, everything I got is yours, Lord. 100% of all that I have, it's yours. And, and then as he's making progress and getting closer, it's like, God, if you'll just help me to get to the shore, I mean, 75%, Lord, of everything is yours. And then as it gets even closer, you know, God, if you'll just help me get there, 50% of everything I have, Lord, is yours. And then when he finally crawls up on the dry land, it's like, whew, thanks, and gone. The psalmist is going, I, I won't forget. I won't forget what you did for me, God. When I prayed out to you, you answered, and I'll worship you. Verse 19, but God truly has listened and given heed to the words of my prayer. Verse 20, blessed be God, because he's not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. And so we worship. That's why we're here, to worship God. We're here to remember and to be reminded of our faith, reminded of the stories of our faith and, and, and the past of how God has been with God's people. And we're here to be reminded of what God is doing today with his people. And here to be reminded of what God is doing for us individually in our own lives. And we worship. We worship, blessed be God, because he's not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. You know, I love this psalm, but the psalmist didn't know the rest of the story. I mean, wonder what the next stanzas would have been like had the psalmist known about Jesus Christ. I mean, can you imagine the next movement? What God had done in our past, what God's doing for us in our lives today as a people, what God has done for me in my life, and then the next stanza, but you, you won't believe what I'm about to tell you now. Your God so loved you that your God came and lived among us personally. And God so loved you that God was willing to die for you. Our God died for us. What kind of God would do that? Love you enough to die for you. On a cross of all times. And then on the third day he rose from the dead. Because our God is so powerful and amazing that he could conquer both sin and death. And then you want to hear the best part? God said, I will never leave you alone. The last thing he said as he was ascending into heaven was, I'll be with you always. And I'm going to send to you my Holy Spirit. And then God breathed on the church. 
So we remember. That's why we're here. It's part of worship is coming together to be reminded. To be reminded of who we are as the people of God. Maybe that's why when Jesus joined together with his disciples in the upper room, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and he said, take and eat all of you. For this is my body that's broken for you, and whenever you do this, what? Remember me and worship. And after the supper, he took the cup and and he gave thanks. He blessed it and, and he gave it to the disciples and he said, now take and drink from this, all of you, because, well, this is the blood of the new covenant. It's poured out for you. It's poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And, and every time you do this, well, remember me which will lead you to worship. So my friends, today, we, the people of God, join together to remember the God who's been our help in ages past. To celebrate the God who has been with each of us as a people today. The God who has intervened in each one of our lives personally. Come, let me tell you what he did for me. And the God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When the psalmist reflect back on all that God had done, he goes, come. Man, we've got to worship. We've got to worship. 